All right, CJ, start us off. <laughs> you know, Dude. You knew it was coming. Dude, after last time, I was like, I should probably do that. Yeah. It's your turn. All Ooh, right. I'm excited for this. It's harder than you think. Yeah. Let's hear it. Hello, and welcome to the Say What You Mean podcast. I'm CJ. Well, I guess it wasn't that difficult. I guess I just don't want to F it up every time. I'm Jake. And I'm Jeff. Welcome back. Thanks. Welcome back. How are you? Me or CJ? It's just in general. Oh, it's okay. an open question. Uh, how, how, how is I? How is you? Jake is good. Jake is good? Jake is stressed. Did you go to the beach? I wish. Oh, okay. I didn't think so. You're posting all these bow beach pictures. And I was like, did he go to the beach? No. Okay. Just I, throwback. I, so TBT. Created, well, Next week. So, up, so update on, on, uh, on, on Jake's um, crazy oh, COVID yeah. life. Okay. Um, in this week's episode, um, Jake and... Kylie figured out how they're going to split the dogs. Okay. So I'm, I'm taking Bo. Okay. She's taking Tucker. Okay. And they had a joint Instagram account for all those who followed Tucker and Bo. Uh, now it's Kylie made the decision to remove Bo from that. So it's the big, it's big floof, the golden that's mm-hmm. Tucker's Instagram. So I created my own. Right. And I went with, uh, I had a couple different names, but yeah, you kept I, changing it. I know. I well, I didn't like what I had. The Royal, me neither. I, it's terrible. It was terrible. What kind of marketing is that? I don't know. I'm not a marketer. You're the one at <laughs> a communications. Uh, CJ's the expert. He's a professional. All right, fair enough. You guys can come up with we, something. We can workshop it. But I appreciate yeah. you addressing this because I had followed previously, and I last week when you were kind of sharing everything. It was one of the big questions. I wasn't comfortable, like, just <laughs> what, what's going to happen? What's happening with right. the dogs? Yeah, lobbing it into the middle of things, and I didn't know, you know, what what that looked like. Mm-hmm. But then, following over the last week on Instagram, I was like, oh, there's there's still posts happening. Who who are these posts coming from? Right, and right. then I kind of saw the transition to it being one dog specifically. So yeah, look, I've as said a it listener, before. I appreciate the context. Yeah, I've said it before. Just be prepared for that Instagram to blow up. Bose? Yeah, he's definitely the better looking of the two dogs. Really? <laughs> I wonder if she's still listening. I don't care. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah, she got really mad at you that one time that you said Tucker wasn't an attractive dog. I mean, he's dog. not the most attractive dog. And that's a fair argument. I'm not saying he's ugly. I'm just saying he's not the most attractive. Uh, I, miss Bo, that, I miss that big that big lug, though. For sure. But Bo is adorable. I love He's so cute. Yeah, we've been so doing. Good. He goes. I've been. I take him everywhere with me. He's not good. Obviously, he's not here right now, but he's just. Yeah, he's my buddy. Yeah, he's I caught a, you n- noggin talking that one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he. I saved him. He saved me. So boom, Bo the dude. You could put like Bo the Savior, something like that. Yeah, I went. With, <laughs> so I, I started with the Royal Bo, which that wasn't very good. Yeah, where did that come from? I don't know. Royal's like a like I was looking up different shades of like gold. Yeah, and Royal is a shade of gold okay. that really matched like okay. this color. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I was like, well, nobody else is gonna understand that. That just sounds bad. Except for the college football team that has Royal as part of their color scheme. That's you made me think of that. Um, I have a friend that. Um, is from South Carolina and the red in the University of South Carolina, you can't call it red or maroon, it's garnet. Oh. And so like those types of teams. I think if I remember right, I remember Wheels talking about one time, and I forget which NBA team it was, maybe the Hornets, but like the teal that's mm-hmm. in their uniform has like a really, really specific color that oh. they list in the media guide. And so I'm sure WSU does crimson. Yeah. Because you always hear crimson. Mm-hmm. It's not like Maroon or the crimson, red. The crimson and gray. Yeah. 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 
Um, so royal, royal bow. And then I switched it to um, every bork begins with bow. Terrible. I thought that was. What are you <laughs> what talking is that? about? What is that? It's, it's that's the, a, It's the K Jewelers theme. Every kiss I know begins with what K. it is, but well, maybe you didn't. So and I within, had to say it within the dog community. I could see people get bork. Like if you don't have a dog, or mm-hmm. like if you're not a someone with an Instagram account for your pet. Wait, bork is a or, real word. It's a fake word in the in the dog community. Have but you not I ever seen? The, have you not ever seen those memes where it's like the dog talking and the, the words are like misspelled in a way that's no. Look up, like look up the Twitter handle Thoughts of Dog. Okay, and you'll get dog, and then you'll you'll understand fake dog lingo. Look, I love my dogs, but not enough to make an okay, Instagram. Okay, Thoughts of Dog is one of the is one of the most awesome things okay. out there. It's okay. really you should give it a follow. It brightens on Twitter. Your, it'll brighten your day. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Anyway, uh, and then I... Ch- what does bork mean, though? Bark. That's their way of spelling or saying bark, but, uh, but because okay. they're dogs and they're not expert spellers. Right. That's how they do. Yeah. Our cats. So I, just left, spellers? So, so I just left that in his bio. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Every bork begins with bow. And then I have another one that I forget <laughs> that I always say about him. And then... Uh, so now I switch it to... Because so Bo Jackson, okay. uh, the, the running back, the guy like who played that... Uh, Auburn, and then he was drafted. And instead of going to the Buccaneers where they drafted number one, he decided to go play uh, baseball. Mm-hmm. So then he split time between Kansas City Royals and the Oakland Raiders. Like okay. he's probably like the best athlete in American history, like single athlete in American history. Um, he was an all-star level athlete in both sports at the same time. Mm-hmm. He and Deion Sanders are like the only two that have managed to do something like that. Yeah, baseball's tight. He was so athletic <laughs> that he like just running. He he dislocated his hip, like he just exploded. Uh-huh. Like his hip bone, his like yeah. his hip. So you call your dog Bo Jackson? Well, his his name is Bo. So I did, and then his but so Bo Jackson's thing was always Bo nose. Okay. So I, I tried to do Bo nose, mm-hmm. but that obviously is taken. Mm. So I just went with Golden underscore Bo underscore nose. Golden Bo nose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's pretty tight. No, it's not. What's up, CJ? <laughs> the other thing about Bo Jackson oh, lent his okay. name and likeness to one of the best Game Boy games of all time. Bo Jackson Championship Baseball and Football in the same game. Oh. So Whoa. it was like a, I remember having that as a kid, and that was super, super fun. And you Heck could. Yeah. You're, like you said, baseball is super tight. It so is super you, tight. You know, but then if you ever got tired of baseball, you could just switch right over without yeah, changing the cool. cartridge, and boom, you're playing football. See, that's cool. Mm. Living the dream. He was also the player that was like a cheat code in Tecmo Bowl. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I know him from Tecmo Bowl. I don't know, no Tecmo Bowl. If you played as the Raiders, he was on there, and he was unstoppable, basically. Mm. He's known for like his the, one of the biggest moments he's known for was running over um, that Seahawk linebacker who was. Oh yeah, was what the, was his name? That was from this, I think, from the same draft. He came out like of Nebraska. A, he was in like the number two or number three overall pick. Uh, Brian Bosworth, yeah. was the name, and uh, Bosworth was this big, just like roided out linebacker, had like the neck board and everything. And then when, um, and he was supposed to be like this, you know, this trans transition transformational linebacker. Mm-hmm. No, like never missed a tackle. Well, one game up in Seattle, he was drafted by the Bosworth was drafted by the Seahawks, and um, in uh, Bo Jackson gets an end around off the left hand, hand side going into the end zone, and it's just him one on one with Brian Bosworth. The only thing keeping Bo Jackson out of the end zone was Brian Bosworth, and they square up and basically 
Bo Jackson just puts his shoulder into <coughs> Brian's Bosworth, and Bosworth just falls over, and Bo Jackson walks into the, the end zone, zone and then that was like the end of Bosworth's Go career. Go Seahawks. Just completely destroyed him in one move. <laughs> just like Damian Lillard destroyed the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder with one shot. Yeah. Oh! I'm sorry. Anyways, I have so many thoughts right now. Go ahead, CJ. How, what's up? Catch up. Um, and mustard. So... Pretty typical normal week for me as far Good. as what normal looks like at this point. Um, the one highlight I would say is I got to see um, a phlebotomist in our lab run a COVID test when I was oh, at the with hospital. That long thing, which was cool. Not drawing the test. They so somebody had sent oh, gotcha, in. They gotcha. had, they they tested the patient in the ER and they brought the sample up. Mm-hmm. But last week was lab week, so I was in the lab taking some pictures of people and mm-hmm. talking to them about what their work has been like. And I hear a COVID test from the ED stat. And so this person I'm talking to is like, Hey, I got to go grab, grab this. I was like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. So, um, we just recently have started being able to run tests in our lab. You know, the, the process has continued to change. I was just listening today. Um, and they were talking about some antigen testing, which is instead of testing for looking for the DNA of the virus, it's looking for, broken pieces of the virus which means if you've already had it right gotten better those remnants are still there so it'd be a way to test people who are um potentially recovered right Um, and each of those tests is done differently in different ways they were saying that one is a lot like a almost like a pregnancy test like you spit or you pee on the test strip Mm -hmm. and then it can be processed really fast um which is obviously a big deal testing is one of the big themes coming around right now um it's one of the things that I was looking at some consumer research, and that's the thing that moves the needle in terms of how comfortable people are with getting back to normal life. Anyways, so I'm in the lab. This test comes. I was like, this is awesome. So um, they had just been showing me kind of where they had set this thing up. They have this, it almost looks like a salad bar hood, mm-hmm. and there's a like a vacuum inside of that so that anything that goes under there, the air is sucked out so Dude, that it basically- that's crazy. Because the alternative to that is having like a totally negative pressure room right. where you have to go into an in-between. Mm-hmm. And so this way, it allows them to be able to run that and keep everything really sterile and yeah. also prevent like once you open up that package and the you have the sample test strip, it doesn't have the risk of coming back out into yeah. the environment. So the person running the test has on an apron and gloves and a mask and there's a glass hood. Um, but I was like, you know, not much farther than social distancing distance away. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching her run that. And it took about 10 minutes to get the results and I had to run to something else. So I didn't hear if that particular test was positive mm-hmm. or negative, mm-hmm. but, um, that was pretty cool. 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, wow. So okay. that, you know, things continue to keep right. getting faster and better depending on the processes that are being used. Mm-hmm. Um, we, our hospital has about 250 tests per week that we're getting from the supplies that are available. Mm-hmm. It was real cool. I also took a picture of one of our lab people holding the box that says like COVID-19 rapid test. So um, crazy. Hmm. But, but 250, that's it? Yeah. So that was the thing that was really interesting as I was talking to them. They're like, we would love to be running way more tests. We know our clinicians want that. We know the public wants that. Um, that continues to be one of the barriers i think there would be few people that you could find who would say we shouldn't be testing lots of people and we shouldn't be testing people often um Hmm. and so one of the barriers continues to be what what access and availability of tests looks like so if we've got 250 ish for a week that means um 
we have to start doing forecasting about people that are showing up that we want to test and say, does this person meet enough criteria that we can measure that we think they're one of the 250 most likely people to have a positive result or to be that's insane so (laughs) what's crazy is when this started like in march yeah um 250 was how many the state of oregon was doing in i think per day maybe so it was still considerably more but not by a ton so we used to send like we would be sending maybe like two and three tests per day. I mean, we might've been sending more than that, but the the fact of the matter was you could send as many as you wanted and they could only process the number Mm -hmm. of tests that they had. So we might wait three and four days to get a result back. And that's crazy. So Hmm. it's good to see things kind of opening up. I think as we, as we anticipate some relaxing of restrictions happening in May and just people getting the sense that we're, moving past what might be the peak in this community. One of the things that really helps tell that story or paint that picture is testing and being able to test more people, being able to test faster, um, also being able to have valid results. That's one of the things they talked about with Mm -hmm. the antibody testing is, or the, is that the right word? Antigen testing. Um, That can sometimes give false negatives, which we've had with the tests that we're doing now, which are for the virus itself. Um, our best practice has been that we don't consider it a for sure negative unless you have two negative results that are at least 24 hours apart because normally a false positive is what is common with, with most tests that you do. Um, I know it seems like with pregnancy tests, that's what you hear more often is you get one that looks like it might be positive or you're not sure. And so then you test again or you go to the doctor and get tested. With COVID, it's been really interesting because what's been way more common is a false negative. So someone tests negative, but they have all these symptoms and it's suspicious. And so then, again, what we've done is we've said, we're going to treat people as though we're not sure if they're positive or negative. We're going to treat them with precaution until we get two negative tests that are 24 hours apart. Holy crap. But again, if you think about the volume of tests, that also means that somebody who is not really, really sick, like sick enough to be in the hospital, um, they're probably not going to rise to the level where we say, we're going to test you again in 24 hours. Like if you're not sick enough to be in the hospital and you're doing okay, we're probably just going to say you should go home and act as though you do have it, you know, be extra careful. And I think that's again, where having volume of testing available and having, um, the ability to be testing the way that is necessary to get results that we can trust is probably really important. Right. But I just thought that was a cool thing to that share. That is cool. Getting Thank to, you for sharing that. That was a lot of information I had no idea yeah, about. Yeah, no kidding. So thank you. You're right there watching it all. Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. And we're next week in the middle, the middle of next week is the beginning of national nurses week. Mm-hmm. And then right on the heels of that is national hospital week. And, March 30 was National Doctors' Day, which are typically times where we're doing a lot of stuff internally to celebrate. We right. typically have like big shared food events mm-hmm. and times where people are like relaxing a little bit from regular work and doing some fun stuff. And this year it's just going to be like head down, pushing through all of that stuff. So that's part of why I was at the hospital last week was to um, help record some video messages and things that we can share to help our staff feel like they're still being recognized, even though we all know it's going to be a totally different process and experience i just watched the episode of the office when uh uh 
Idris Elba's character comes and Michael wants to have his 15 year anniversary party, but he says no more parties. That's what I was thinking about right there. Because <laughs> he's trying to still spend money and he's oh, like, that was, no. That was Idris Elba, wasn't it? Oh, I didn't even, yeah. I didn't even re- realize that was him in that role. Dude, it's so funny because, uh, what's her name? Um, the Indian girl. Kelly. Oh, uh, Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, she's, she's. <laughs> She's in the break room putting makeup on. She's like, I'm getting a steak dinner tonight. And then uh, Phyllis is like, I think he's already gone. And she's like, what? And shoves the camera guy out of the way, runs outside, and it's like yelling for him. And then down at the end of the parking lot is uh, Angela with this scarf. <laughs> and she's like, is that his scarf? And then she chases her. So good. And Idris Elba, I don't remember his character's name, but he's like, yeah, I know I have an effect on women. <laughs> so good. He's I'm so watching that whole thing for the second time. Are you? I, I had an office reference pop up this week, so I I don't know if you've seen the the meme that's been going around where it's talking about masks, and they're like, let me explain how masks work. And it's like, if you're outside and some guy runs up to you naked and pees on you, was it the one Kyle sh- yeah. shared? I didn't want, I didn't see it, but so that the premise is, if you're outside and somebody runs up to you naked and you're naked and they pee on you, you're gonna get pee all over you. If you have pants on, you're still going to get some pee on you, but not as much. And if the person peeing has pants on, you're probably not going to get any on you. Mm. So I had seen a meme that was basically (laughs) the reverse of that. And they were saying, when you're out in public and someone farts, you smell it. So therefore, masks don't do anything to protect against coronavirus. (laughs) So, so, oh, you know what? It wasn't that. I had messing this story up. Wow. I had shared um, some information the Oregon Health Authority, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't the Oregon Health Authority, OHSU put out. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't, I don't know if we talked about this specifically last week, but there have been some remedies proposed for coronavirus and some ways of treating it. Um, Drinking that have, bleach and injecting cleaner? That have led to some people... In, um, sitting in a tanning bed. Light. Yeah. Led to some people Injecting Needing light. to communicate around that mm-hmm. um, from some of those companies. So OHSU um, houses poison control for Oregon. Mm-hmm. So they've also been doing this campaign that's called Stay Home, Save Lives. Right. Um, that's con- coordinated with the governor's office. So they've been a couple times a week putting out messaging and tips for the public. Uh, so this one happened to talk about what are some of the facts versus fiction on different things. And so Kyle responded to that and said, well, what if I try all of these things really sarcastically? Yes, I saw that. For whatever reason, it reminded (laughs) me of the time where, um, they're down in Florida on the office on the trip Mm -hmm. and the, it was late in the run of the office. And it's when the, there was another lady that was trying to seduce Jim was this like terrible yes 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 terrible yes. plot line yes anyways and so he to to like deal with getting her out of there he says he saw a bed bug and calls dwight and dwight like freaks out <laughs> oh, yeah. and he asks he, he like he's like asking jim what happened and so like jim describes it like biting and then walking away and dwight was like well how did it walk away did it like saunter really smugly or something and the the motions that jim does he's like swinging his arms like so conceited and smug and so i sent a gif of that to kyle because it it reminded me of that i'm like that's sarcastic right right also on a side note if you ever want to go on youtube and look at the bloopers from the office and find that episode because they struggled so hard to get through that they were cracking up and it was just (laughs) hilarious that and the one where um 
Phyllis wants to be Santa and Michael's jealous, so he dresses up as Santa too and wants everybody to sit on his lap and Kevin sits on his lap. Um, There are some just hilarious outtakes from that. There's one where Michael's dressed up as Santa and he's like, what do you want, Kevin? Cop a squat. Cop a squat. (laughs) Yeah, they're just dying. So that show, you know, you know, Jen, your cousin, David, he's watched that forever and over. And he's probably seen it over 30 times the entire season. Wow. Not even exaggerating. Like he just watches it and then starts it over again. Mm -hmm. And he would game and then it would be on and then he'd start it over again. And I would always just be like, that's so weird because I'd never seen it. And I texted him yesterday. I'm like, I'm on my second run. Like I had no idea. Michael Scott. I think is one of the best television characters of all time. You have to watch it a second and third time. I, otherwise, he is otherwise so, he's so annoying. amazing. Because he's really annoying the first time you watch it. And you're just I don't like, think I so. don't like this guy. I it don't took, think it so. It took me almost until like his last season for me to actually like him as a character. Really? The first time I watched it through. You know who I, I was hate? rooting for him to get fired every single time like Jan Levinson would show up and you thought he, Michael was in trouble. And like, oh my God, they're fine. They're going to get rid of this guy. What? And the show will be better. Yeah. No. And then now, when, then when he left, you know, and then you realize like the people they brought in, like Robert California. Yeah. Like, like that sucked. He is the show he is the show and then the, sec- the second time i watched it back through and i was like oh the genius of the writing and steve carell steve carell's amazing it's ju- it uh it's, was perfect i i saw a youtube on video and they like very deliberately changed michael scott's character after the first season yes because it was modeled so closely after the british office where michael's character is like genuinely mean yes and it plays in in that country differently than here mm-hmm. and most people, I had kind of the same reaction too of like, it was hilarious, but Michael made me like uncomfortable and I mm-hmm. found myself not rooting for him. And so what they tried to do, I think moving forward from there is instead of having him be quite so mean, they made him like really sincere, but inept in yeah. in some ways. And what I found interesting about that show is watching it through multiple times, like the first pass through, I had some of those same kinds of reactions. And then when you see, like you have the context of the full character That's arc, true too. my relationship with characters totally changes. Yeah. Because when the show started, like the first seasons, I wanted Dwight to be fired every time. I, I thought he was <laughs> the worst. I hated him. Mm-hmm. I, could, I like, there was nothing redeeming about him. And then you guys they, are so funny. they introduced Andy and within like half a season of Andy being there, I was a hundred percent team Dwight. And I was like, we've got to get this Andy guy out of here. Mm-hmm. And now like watching over and over, like knowing where Andy's character goes, like he's so essential. And I like, I find him to be really like one of the favorites that I root for. I'm going to have to, I'm only in my second run through. And the first season I was never bothered on the level that you guys are bothered on. I was just like, Oh, okay. This is, you know, I didn't know where the show went, so I wasn't feeling certain ways. And I always think about how I met your mother and how I knew the ending. So I I didn't know the complete character arcs of all the characters, but I knew the ending. So I appreciated little moments to get to that ending. Mm-hmm. That's why I appreciated yeah. the ending. The Office, I didn't know the ending. So as I'm watching it, I'm like, you know, I'm not really... I'm really trying to just get who the characters are mm-hmm. and understand and follow the character arcs. Second time through, 
introduction to Andy, I've never wanted to punch a human being in the face more oh, in no. my life. The fake tuna thing? No, just the whole thing. Oh, yeah. He's the most annoying person. I like, I cringe when he comes on screen now. And I've already seen this show. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, God, why me, are we giving him any screen time it, it right now? It took me until the episode where um, Michael has this Italian guy trying to sell him insurance. <laughs> and, and then they, and Andy and Dwight are convinced he's part of the mob. And Andy shows up to the meeting dressed as a um, as a mechanic, and then this woman asks him, "She's like, can you jumpstart my car? Like, are you a mechanic?" And then the, just, he has to go along with it because he's sitting there with like a wrench in his hand at this fancy restaurant. Yeah. And he goes out there and he like blows, he, like he completely destroys her battery because he didn't know how to hook up the cables. That that that. See, that, I think he does get better because I don't remember him bothering me this much. But right now, I'm in like season four, I think it is, and I'm just like. I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite lines so far, rewatching it, uh, there's so many classics of Michael, but it's Jim, and he's like, you know, I thought Michael was bad before, but now that Michael doesn't care, this is after he puts his two weeks in, mm-hmm. and he's just like drinking on the job, and like, <laughs> they're like, Michael, is that scotch? He's like, Splenda and scotch. Tastes like Splenda, gets you drunk like scotch. <laughs> so stupid. There's a theory out there that I, I heard. Um, on like a YouTube breakdown thing uh, where it's like Michael was actually just, that was all a bit. He was just doing like a, his own social experiment and being that wacky, like being that mm-hmm. wacky mm-hmm. just to see how people would react to him. But mm-hmm. really he was like the, a really like a, a sane person. Um, That's terrible. Because they, they show um, different moments where it almost looks like he breaks character and becomes uh, a little normal. Right. And I saw one of those in an episode I watched just a couple of days ago mm-hmm. where um, it was when Michael and Jim, become co-managers mm-hmm. and um everybody hates them because they can't figure out how, they only they can only they either have to give everybody like a one percent raise or only give certain people a raise mm-hmm. and then so everybody and it's and then dwight is instigating all the anger because he's mad that jim is now a manager yeah, right and so and after after all of the dust settles towards the end of the episode michael and jim are both sitting in an office together and they're they they both pour each other like a shot of something mm-hmm. and they're just mm-hmm. both sitting back there and michael has like this moment of what's almost like of clarity and like he's like he's, he just says something really normal like it, it, I don't know. It kind of hmm. cues you into maybe it was, maybe it is, maybe some of the stuff that he does is a bit. It probably There's not. No way. There's, There's no, no way, way. But I don't know. It's just interesting. The other thing I've seen is like they do such a good job of getting you into the series and f- making you sort of forget that the whole premise is that it's a documentary that's right. being filmed. Mm-hmm. And so there are people that also say like some of the stuff is done intentionally for. The documentary, um, yeah, like they know they're like, being especially filmed. somebody like Michael who knows there's an audience on right. the other side of the camera. Mm-hmm. So he's that's a he's great like point. Playing to that, I that um, kind of plays into yours, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Interesting. I uh, just from a filmmaking or a, yeah, I guess it's filmmaking perspective. The Office does a really cool job of breaking down some of those traditional barriers mm-hmm. of um, because of how they filmed it in the documentary style, the camera almost becomes one of the characters in right. the show. Um, and it's really interesting to That's see a great some, point. some of the back mm-hmm. behind the scenes stuff on that in terms of Greg Daniels, the director, mm-hmm. like talking to the, not only the actors, but the camera people and the camera operators and saying, I want you to just pretend like you're a person in this office. And when mm-hmm. something happens, don't think about who's saying the line. Look for like what would catch your attention, and so they would, you know, do the scenes multiple right. times. But that's where you get some of those the characters talking. But what you see is what Creed's doing over here, 
or you know some some random reaction where in a typical sitcom where you have like more of a square stage right, right. and all the cameras are stationary in one place you're not as able to do some of those things that has me thinking about a moment where um the camera pans over to Pam and she's like what and then the camera looks over at like I think it's Dwight or something. Yeah. And then it pans back to Pam and she's like she's looking over where the camera just looked it and gets she's her like, attention. Oh, yeah. Oh. And it's like that is the camera being a character in the show. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting point. How do you guys feel? Because the other show that came out uh, and ran somewhat simultaneously with The Office is Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. also kind of broke down that fourth wall. Right. But they never say anything about a documentary, but the characters do talk to the audience oh, and, yeah. are, and are talking to what seems like a camera, but they never address that camera. Do you think that that works? Like Parks, I, mean, I, I think it does. Parks and uh, Rec is a fantastic show. I've been, I was, I started it over. I started Parks and Rec over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wonder what you guys' thoughts are relative to. I think it works. I, I love how the the it all ended in the office as a documentary that mm-hmm. you got to like see them view. Yeah. I so I just went back and watched the very very final season of Parks and Rec, which is hilarious to me because they like time hopped forward, and so it's like 2017. It, really? It's did you? I hated it. You didn't like when like when uh. uh uh, Ron and Leslie become friends again. Hated it. it. Jeff, I hated the it the first time through. and I'll I, watch it again. I remember like binging it. I thought, did I miss something in between? Because yeah. how the previous one ended and then where it jumps to. Um, but watching it back through this time, I, I enjoyed it a little more. Mm-hmm. Quick plug. I think Parks and Rec is doing like a... 30 minute Yeah, episode. like a comeback special thing tonight. Um, oh, which will be... I kind of hope they just... No, Leslie Nope is trying to communicate through like zoom or something yeah it's like a, oh. it's like a social and i think everyone's coming thing. back to try to talk to her it's it's just an episode on zoom okay because the the final episode ends with like everybody old like way in the future yeah mm-hmm. and they're all sitting around celebrating um jerry gary terry gergich's um <laughs> like funeral because he retired like he finally died as like as like the eighth time mayor of mm-hmm. pawnee mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be like an, okay. the same characters injected and not necessarily a continuation. Um, right. I believe Greg Daniels was also involved with Parks and Rec, so mm. that's where some of that creative okay. structure comes from. What I would also say is I'm really glad they didn't try and structure it as another documentary show. They just mm. used that visual style and said, people like this. Because Arrested Development was out around the same time and is somewhat similar. They don't address the camera directly, but it has that really loose... The yeah, cameras are moving in yeah. and out feel. Um, I remember kind of I discovering Arrested <laughs> Development and The Office show, at man. the same time. That's the greatest show ever. I didn't finish the newest season, though. I don't care for the Netflix seasons. So. Seasons one through three. Yeah. Season three, when they know they're getting canceled by Fox and they just dump on Fox the whole episode, the whole season <laughs> is so good. Um we are not talking about anything politics today, apparently, because I want to bring this up. Wait, okay. what, one one more TV show plug. I have a TV show plug, uh, too. Um, <laughs> if you have access, I think it's on Hulu, and uh-huh. you're interested in binging a show if you haven't seen it before. One that holds up really well, if you want to go back to it, is Scrubs. I've never um, watched it. And mm. the reason I bring it up is because Zach Braff and Donald Faison, who are two of the stars, just started a rewatch Podcast. podcast okay they're they're putting out like two episodes a week and so i've watched it several times i watched it before working in healthcare, and then now that that's where i work that show is so good and so relatable um and just 
just real oh, quick to tell you okay. on the way in. So the third episode of the series, mm-hmm. this sets you up because it's a hilarious show and it it um, has this great over the top comedic style. But what they do so well is they keep reality into it. So in the third episode of the series, it starts out with presenting a statistic that one in three people that go into the hospital into the, I don't know if it's the ICU or like what level, but won't survive. Okay. And they're following three doctors that each have a patient. And so the whole episode you're watching and you kind of just have this sense of doom Mm. that one of these patients is not going to make it. And I'm going to do a huge spoiler just because if you, if you want to watch and don't be spoiled fast forward, but (laughs) at the end of the episode, all three of the patients die. (laughs) So the, the, the point of that is, um, Sometimes that's the way the chips right, fall. They set right. you up to be like, oh, one in three. So the one statistic. of these people is not right. going to make it. But some days it's all three. All three. And that's and still the statistic. Yeah. That in the midst of all the comedy and stuff that's happening, it's just brutal. And mm. they, they keep you reminding reminding you that this stuff is real. And, right. And like the people that you're seeing that you're interacting with for healthcare, this is the reality that they right, face. Right. And, and it affects them. Hmm. So I'll check that out. Yeah, really good. And then if you, as you're going along, you can go listen to the podcast and um, they're bringing on people that were characters on the show and they talk about behind the scenes stuff, all of their auditioning. That's a really unique show too because um, they wanted it to be set up as a traditional like three camera sitcom Mm -hmm. and they ended up shooting it in an actual like decommissioned hospital Mm -hmm. and they only used one camera, which um, I I don't know all the background stuff, but it, it... it certainly changes the way that you do things. Mm-hmm. And so they talk about some of that, but it's, it's a really good one. Hmm. And I, again, I think it holds up well. And, uh, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsley did do a podcast. Yeah. As well, a rewatch. They rewatch the office. And I heard that's really good. I haven't seen it. I would imagine it is. So what's your, uh, what's your, the last dance, the last dance. I was hoping we'd talk about that. I didn't, I didn't, uh, are you watching it? So, this is my story about that. Okay. <laughs> One of the first episodes, I it was going to be time for it to be on. I was like, oh, this is great. You know, this is a way for Hudson to learn about Michael Jordan. Yes. So I turned it on. It had already started. <laughs> and the first thing we hear is, everybody on the Bulls was crazy, whacked out on cocaine Jordan's yep. first year. <laughs> I'm like, ah, we'll save this for later. Yeah. <laughs> it's not quite ready for a Did you not watch it? So I have not watched. I've, I've been listening to commentary about. Where do you see it? It's on ESPN. Like, can you stream it like for free? Oh, I don't think so. Oh, well, damn. It's on ESPN in partnership with Netflix. I guarantee it's going to be on Netflix after the whole thing comes out. Okay, once it, then yeah. I need to, I'll watch so it. So that, that little bit that you're talking about, like jumping in and they're like, the whole bowl scene was on cocaine. Mike tells a story where he's a rookie and he's like going through the hotel looking for his teammates and he's knocking on the doors and no one's answering and then he hears a bunch of people in one hotel room and he knocks on the door and they're like, shh, 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 quiet, quiet, quiet. Who is it? And he's like, it's MJ. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, he's just a rookie. It's cool. Let him in. So then he comes in. He's like, on this side of the room, everyone's doing cocaine. Right here in the middle, everyone's smoking weed. Over here, they're all covered in women. He's like, I got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> he's, like, I, he's like, I kept thinking, like, if the cops come in right now, like, I'm in trouble. So I got to leave. So mm-hmm. he left. I mean, he was a freaking gambling addict and he got his dad killed but i was looking into that have you guys looked into that no 
It's pretty interesting. You know that's a conspiracy theory, right? No, I didn't know that. Like, I guess, like, his debt was so much, and he was so, like, late on paying his debts that the mob had his dad killed. Oh. I don't know. It's Hmm. interesting. But anyways, so The Last Dance, you know, I was too young to appreciate Michael Jordan for what he was. That's the question I had for you guys, because I forget, Jake, when you said last week that you're 29, like, that, I about fell out of my chair, because... I forget how old I am sometimes. Yeah, you're old. Gray, gray hair notwithstanding. But <laughs> I was talking with my brother who's around the same age. And he was saying, like, I remember knowing Michael Jordan existed and who he right. was. And I feel like his recollection of Michael Jordan is like my recollection of Magic Johnson. Where, right. Where, like, I before I could understand and comprehend the NBA in detail, like I knew yep. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson were these really important great players and they played within the scope of of my lifetime but Mm -hmm. i i was fortunate enough when i was probably like five six seven years old i went to a blazer game against the bulls and saw michael jordan play in person i'm Um, sure i did too with my dad i just don't remember yeah it was at a time when the blazers were really bad the two things i remember from that game is Blazer fans were there with paper bags over their heads because they were having like a really bad losing streak. Mm, um, that's and terrible. <laughs> with the tickets that my grandparents had in the Memorial Coliseum, mm-hmm. they they were in the lower section. Right. And at that time, you could like literally walk up to the door of the locker room. And so you could get autographs from players coming in mm-hmm, and out. Mm-hmm. So I was over by the Bulls locker room and I had like Bill Cartwright and some other people signing like a piece of paper I had. Mm-hmm. And I look up and I see Scottie Pippen coming off the floor. And I'm like, he was talking with his agent. He looks right at me and smiles. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to get Scottie Pippen's autograph. And I forget what guy it was that was signing. And he's like, "Your kid, your pen's not working anymore. And I'm just like <gasps> devastated. Oh, no. And it's pre, you know, it's pre, <laughs> it's pre phones getting a selfie. But like, I, I, I totally look at that and I was like, I would have had Scottie Pippen's autograph. Oh, no. What was crazy about that too is like, it was like that for everybody else. And then they had a curtain they put up when Jordan came out and it was like, you're not down here for that part. Right. Right. But um, my dad, when he, when I was a kid and he took me to games, he would, we would go, he'd be like, come on. And we'd wait at the exit uh, where the cars would leave and we would get autographs there at the call scene. Hmm. Yeah. Was that when so. Pippen was on the bulls? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyways, what a fascinating documentary. If you get a chance, if you can find it, I'll look for somewhere to stream it, Jake, so you can catch up. It's pretty interesting. But like I said, I don't, I don't, I didn't grow up in the time to really appreciate it. And I think the only time where I realized like, well, this guy is like a superhero is Space Jam. (laughs) And then, and then I become interested in who Michael Jordan is as a kid. But you have an interesting point talking to one of your brothers about, you know, the different eras and how magic might have been your jordan to them you know what i mean so i think about my niece alex when she was a when she was young young like four five six i was just like brandon roy brandon roy is a legend so she knows of brandon roy Mm -hmm. and she knows like my uncle is obsessed with brandon roy but now she's old enough to see and know who damian lillard is yeah. And so Damian Lillard is like the blazer to her. Also, he's a savage killer. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that helps. That, yeah, that but help. the one thing that I want to say about this documentary so far is, and this is going to poo-poo on one player and celebrate another, but seeing Michael and his mentality, he wanted to kill people. He wanted their blood to win the game. And that mentality 
is what we know as the Mamba mentality. Kobe and Mike are so similar in work ethic and in just the way they approach the game. On the flip side, LeBron is soft as hell, dude. <laughs> he is so soft. That's why I think you hear and see people that have like a broad um, knowledge base of the NBA. People yes. who've covered the NBA for like 40 years. They make that same comparison. They say Kobe basically locked himself in a room and watched film of Mike and said, this is what a basketball player is. Yeah. And people say LeBron and Magic are, are better comps mm. in terms of Magic was exceptionally talented and was not... That. And I think it takes some of both. I don't think it's that one is necessarily better than the other. Right. But when you started to talk about Jordan and I think about Lillard, that's yep. a difference I see is I feel like... Both of those guys, there's like a switch they or a place they go to. And I was telling you, because we were talking about the anniversary of the shot that beat mm -hmm. Oklahoma City from last season. And I remember watching that on TV. And as soon as Lillard got the ball, I was like, he's going to win this game. Yep. And then when I saw him back out from three point, I'm like, he's not even just going to like take it to the hoop and try and get <laughs> a layup or get fouled and win the game. He is going to bury a three in Paul George's face and win this game. And the second he released that ball, I was like, this series is over. <laughs> and I wouldn't have that same thought process with LeBron. LeBron could do all the same motions, mm -hmm. but that's just, he's not wired that same way. Right. And I know like early in LeBron's career, there was a, I think a playoff series where there was a last second shot and mm -hmm. he passed the ball to Danielle Marshall for a three rather than taking it himself. And people just... yep took him to the cleaners for that. And again, I don't think that's that one is right or wrong. It's right. just like recognizing there are these really unique players that are wired in this incredible way. And I I think Jordan and Kobe, and mm -hmm. I, I think Lillard is more like that than, than someone like LeBron. That's not to say that he's not a, LeBron's not a better player objectively. Right, right. Um, no, LeBron's amazing. LeBron wasn't even the best finisher on that Cleveland team, though, that won the championship. Kyrie, Kyrie yeah. Irving was a better finisher. Oh, yeah, for sure. But see, see, Kyrie spent so much time with Kobe that he has been influenced as far as, like, that killer mentality. Yeah. With Damian, you know, with the footage and with the documentary and being removed from it, we get to see the work ethic of Jordan. We get to see the work ethic of of Kobe, right? Mm -hmm. And you're talking about Damian Lillard, and I've always thought that Dame has that killer mentality, but we don't see his work ethic yet, mm -hmm. and I'm sure there's footage out there, but he always talks about it. Like, don't worry about me making music. I'm out here working. Yeah. And then he pulls from 30 and hits it in. Yeah, in, in stride with like, with yeah. And then you're like, I'm not going to question him anymore. Yeah. Like, there were so many times last this season no, last season, where he would pull up and I'd go, what are you? Okay, all right, all right okay. Yeah. And I did it so many times. So by the time they came to that series and he pulls it, I was like, oh, my God. And he yeah. hits it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not I'm obviously losing my mind, but I'm not surprised. No. And everyone's like, and Paul George even is like, that's a bad shot. It's like, dude, he's been doing this for 82 games. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny as you still fight, you still see salty um, OKC fans. They're so salty. They're talking about, like, it's a bad shot. And it's like, well, Lillard even talked about it in his post game. He's like, he's like, I was going to get, he's like, one, I don't get whistles. Two, no. I'm not going to get a whistle with the as with yeah. the shot clock expiring in a game five elimination game. I'm not getting a whistle. They're like he's like I was going to like get hacked, and there's no like I'm not putting I'm not putting. He's like he's he's this was his words. I'm not putting 
the the I'm not putting the game in the hands of the refs. Right. To make right. a call or not make a call because I was going to get hacked. Yep. So he's like, this was the best shot I could take. <laughs> and, he, and, it, and he drained it and it was all net. It wasn't even like a rattle, rattle, rattle down. It was flush. Yeah. I don't know. CJ talked to me last week about that Brandon Roy shot. The one from that angle mm-hmm. where he hit and fell. And you're it, talking about it how was, it like... So the, the, the shot that Lillard hit in the Houston playoff series to win that series... Brandon Roy in the regular season had hit a shot from virtually the right. same spot with a slightly longer time on the clock. I think it was 0.9 or maybe right. just over a second. But um, I was at that game. I was at the opposite end of the court up in the 300 level, but off the baseline. And what I remember about that shot is Roy comes and puts it up. And to me, it looked like it was going to miss wide left. Mm-hmm. Like as it left his hands, the arc looked like it was going to be left of the rim. And it like defied physics to watch that ball. Like even the spin and stuff made it look like it was going to curve more left, but it just kept tracking right. And I and love went that. Down. I love that. That's crazy. How pre, does that happen? Pre, pre-social distancing. I, I participated in a very uh, homoerotic dog pile <laughs> with strangers all around us after that game. Uh, I can't imagine that Oklahoma city game because that, either. that game, I literally could see dust coming off the rafters from the explosion of from celebration Roy. from the fans right. and then walking out of the game, like everyone's chanting, let's go blazers. And they would be showing replays of the shot on the screen. Mm-hmm. Every time everybody in the building is losing their minds over and That's over. Insane. It was Dude, my, my whole, my like, Oh man, there's so many feels, but watching Nurk like clap, like he's mm-hmm. got that, that, that like, let's go kind of like mm-hmm. pump up clap just on the sideline, just staring down, like watching intently as Lillard's bringing the ball up the court. Yep. Just like, all of just all of that. Seth Curry's turning his back to the play, telling the Oklahoma City bench, "You're about to lose." Yeah. Just oh, there's so much to that. So much to that. That's that's why we watch sports. That's right. what we're missing right now oh. with everything that's going on. I you forget that Nurk showed up in the middle of the third quarter in that game. Oh. Like <laughs> we focus on that last sequence yeah. but you forget like what that game looked like right and then nurk walking out on the floor and what that did to the energy in the building down 15 and mm-hmm. two minutes left in the third and they came back and won it. it's yeah. it's the stuff of legends for sure Dude, when aminu gets that rebound after lillard stopped the harden mm-hmm. like lillard like stops harden the b- rebound goes to aminu lillard like flexes mm-hmm. westbrook it, westbrook yeah. sorry yeah, yeah westbrook lillard flexes off of westbrook's miss after lillard guarded him pretty well <laughs> Lillard goes, gets the ball from Aminu, walks up like two dribbles across the three uh, half court line, drains a three, and then they call a timeout, and then he just does the fly away. Yeah, oh. bombs away, <laughs> bombs away, dude. It's so good. I love it. I miss it so bad. I miss the Blazers being good. Last season, this this season was hard to watch. It's yeah. all right. They'll be back. This was the year they're going to win it. We just will never know. We'll just never know. Um, I'm gonna I, s- I, go ahead. The thing I think about, too, is you talked about Brandon Roy, and you and I have a similar experience. I I was following the Blazers more closely probably throughout my life, but you've talked about how Brandon Roy was, like, the the player, and... He's the whole reason I got back into basketball. Yeah, and so for me, like, I remember following the Blazers, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, My grandparents at that time still had their season tickets, and that was kind of the jailblazer era and they right. were they were very willing let's say when i would come home from college to give me tickets right. and and let me go kind of whenever i wanted i think they were not super high on that team so you know i remember following through that era and stuff but i i remember distinctly because it was that same year when i was up 
in um, the Kitsap County area mm-hmm. after I'd done mm-hmm. my internship and stuff. Oh six, what a what a huge year! But that was the year the Blazers got Brandon Roy's draft pick, and mm-hmm. I remember sitting there on the phone with my brothers during the draft, and everybody was so hyped about the possibility of getting Adam Morrison, mm-hmm. and oh, then. God. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, and the Blazers drafted Tyrus Thomas originally and then later traded that pick for LaMarcus. But when I had been like going nuts on like message boards and stuff, mm-hmm. looking at draft possibilities, because that's what we do. I mean, especially as a as a fan of a basketball team when they're not particularly good, the draft is your thing. Right. And it's, it's always the Blazers so, thing. It's always the Jets. You thing. know, I had uh, been reading uh, all the articles about all the pre-draft workouts and all of the professional analysis of the different players. You spent, I spent time on NBA draft.net where it has like the professional comps and it was like the early days of getting the YouTube highlight reels of right. draft prospects. But I just remember telling my brothers like, you know, partly because I loved Kevin Pritchard and mm-hmm. I trusted him a lot, but I was like, you know, I think this is going to be an okay choice. Like Roy. You, yeah, yeah. You could, you could make the argument that it's like defending Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan, but right. Um, and then I just remember like that first season watching and he won rookie of the year. So right. he was obviously super good, but it wasn't like he just, it wasn't a year where he like ran away with rookie of the year. Like right. it was deserving, but it wasn't Lillard's rookie of the yeah, year. Yeah, he was, but but he came in and was solid right off the bat. Right. And I just remember like being so excited about him. And now I I see like that whole era of the Blazers was so plagued by injuries, and you know Lamarcus was the line yeah. of continuity, and it it was just brutal and. And then to see how within a couple of years Damian Lillard comes in and it totally reshapes the franchise again and fills it with hope and optimism and mm-hmm, you know we, mm-hmm. we're sitting here just gushing yeah and um so I look at like for for my kids and for you know people who are like really having their eyes open to basketball now it's so awesome to have another like truly great player right at the same time. and. Roy, I don't think going back to like the Kobe and Michael, I don't know that Roy was wired that way either. I don't think he was. He, he was an extremely talented player, but I think more like a LeBron or a Magic than right. than Kobe. And it's not that that's bad either. Right. Like I always I always would have that argument with people when they like pick apart the Blazers and like the Blazers. I feel like could have won the championship with Brandon Roy as their best player. Oh the, yeah. The argument I used to always make because people if, used to if hate Odin had yeah healthy yeah. yeah. People used to always hate on Steve Blake, and I used to say, like, I love Steve Blake. The Blazers can win a championship with Steve Blake as their starting point guard. Like, that's not the thing that's holding them back. And I think basketball, it's such a small, you have five guys on the floor at a time. So you expect so much of every player. And it's figuring out, like, you can't always have, like, you couldn't have five Michael Jordans on a team on the floor at the same time. It would not be sustainable. That's another thing they talk about in that documentary is uh, uh, Phil Jackson's introducing the triangle and then telling Mike, like, this is to ease some of it off of you, man. Mm -hmm. And then him making that switch mentally and going, okay, let's do it. Let's try it. Um, I was was just thinking during that, uh, we're watching it, and they're talking about the bad boys era and how physical they are and just hammering these guys. And Jen was watching with me, and she's like, man, you don't really see guys fight like this, you know? <laughs> and I was like, Bill no. Bill Bear legitimately picking up a dude and throwing him? Yeah, she's yeah. like, she's like, you know, and this made me so happy she said this. She's like, you don't really see guys fight, and like, 
try to go at one another anymore. I mean, we've seen it. But she goes, I can't really remember like a guy who was like defending his teammates, wanting to fight, except for like Prisbilla. And I was like, oh, yes, my heart. (laughs) (laughs) It made me so happy. I was like, yes. I love Joel. Anyways, I'm going to switch gears here because I've been wanting to talk to you about this. Uh, This happened last year, and now the Pentagon has confirmed the UFO videos. (laughs) Wait, what? Yeah. So Blink-182's Tom DeLonge has started a company that is built to release UFO information, Mm -hmm. and he's got people from the Pentagon and from the CIA all working in his company. They don't work for those agencies anymore. And he's been saying, aliens are real, here's the technology, we've been interacting with aliens, and he releases this footage last year, and he goes on Joe Rogan, and he seems like a crazy person. Wait, Tom DeLong, that's the one who left Blink, right? Yes. Okay. He left to do all this. You mm-hmm. used to read me stories <laughs> as if my yes. dreams were boring. Yes, aliens exist, we dude. We all know conspiracies are dumb. So. Enema of the state. He releases this footage, and he goes on Joe Rogan, and everyone's like, he's batshit crazy. The Pentagon freaking released the video and said, yeah, we don't know what this is. This is UFO. And the the, the un- un- unidentified flying object is literally defying physics as we know it in the video. Flying in ways and maneuvers that we can't explain. But 2020 is so jacked, this barely <laughs> moves the needle for anyone. It's probably just a bird. This is not a bird, dude. It's probably a bird. This is not a bird. <laughs> it's like zipping, stopping, moving, and then just flies off and instantly gone. They talk about they. Uh, Joe Rogan had the pilot who was there while this happened. He said, "You know, when you fly, when you are flying, and you see something fly away from you, mm-hmm. you see it in the distance for a long time before it finally goes over the horizon. You can't see it anymore." He said, "This object, as soon as it left, instantly gone from your your field of view." I'm just saying, dude. Hmm. I'll have to watch this video. I'm not anti-conspiracy theorist. I just... This isn't a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. It's literally real. Okay. You're saying that that is an alien. Like, the, the conclusion of that video no, is No, what I'm saying is it's an unidentified flying object. Okay. Moving in ways that defy physics as humans okay, know it. The conclusion off of this video is that aliens... Are, are real in that we've made we have made contact with them i mean it's pretty it's it's pretty definitive evidence here dude i'm not the one who's i'm not going to say that there isn't <laughs> aliens i mean there's definitely there's there, gotta be the chances of there not being life somewhere out there in this infinite universe right is like that's the the, the odds are are not in tell that to a flat earther jake go ahead <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I, I don't. And, and until I meet, when, <laughs> until our government legitimately, like I don't know, just says that they're. Why does the one? government have to be the, the because, defining? Because I take a Hobbesian view of the state. The Stop state. it, dude! What were we talking about last episode about the the non governmental agencies that mm-hmm. are out, you know, helping to promote democracy? Mm-hmm. Why can't the non governmental agency be? Advancing scientific breakthroughs because and- it's Tom DeLonge. <laughs> so. What if it was? What if it was you? I'm. What if it was Jake joking? What if you knew that you had interacted with a sh- a, a, a flying saucer that Tom is didn't. A- Tom didn't. No, interact he didn't. With it. No, but the pilot who's on Joe Rogan who did. 
pilot. Is he a military pilot? Yes. Oh, because he's a military, we trust him. No, it's just I know the level. I know the level of like aptitude and, and intelligence it takes to get to that level. So yeah, I would. I would not because he's in the military intrinsically, but because I know like you have to be an officer to be uh-huh. a, to be a. Pilot. And he is. Yeah. And he tell he literally so breaks down this whole a, video. He has a degree. I mean, he has a degree in something. He probably went to the Air Force Academy. Yeah, it's called Aliens, dude. <laughs> Okay, I, I'm I just haven't telling even, you. I haven't even seen the video. A year video. ago, I tried to get you to listen to the podcast, and you blew me <laughs> off. Because you know how I feel about conspiracy well, theories. Well, look, the Pentagon now confirms it. Where's I'm the, ahead of the, the curve, Jake. Where's I'm the ahead art- of the curve. <laughs> where's the article? Show me the article. I will send you the okay. article. Is it from, like... Here's one. I it found CNN. one from New York it's Times. CNN? New York Times. Everyone. Okay. All right. You guys oh got me. Oh, my God. Don't Li- doubt okay. me. When- the liberal bastions that are keeping us distracted and placated with these things so that they can advance their secret agenda. That's when, right. When legitimate sources <laughs> back up Jeff, evidence yes. from credible eyewitnesses. Yeah. Then it moves out of conspiracy theory to a ra- Imagine being to mean. a rational explanation. Imagine being mean, Just knowing this for, was true. Wait for that threshold with everything, and you'll be far better <laughs> wait, off. Uh, wait, 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 Jeff. So imagine being you and know this is true. So how how do you feel about us um, putting UV light inside of our bodies and the, the healing benefits? He's got the inside scoop. Trump does. <laughs> It's possible. Well, did you see what he said? He's like, I'm not a, I'm, he's like, I'm not a doctor, but I'm, I'm just a man with a really good you-know-what. Yeah, he's an idiot. Um, <laughs> Jake, I lived with this for a year knowing that this was real, trying to just tell you, and you blew me off. And now, because CNN and New York Times say it, Sorry. I'm a credible source, dude. I, and I, I vet and, this and, stuff. And I cherish you every <laughs> second of every day. I'm not but just going to believe. you're not the New York Times. <laughs> I'm not just going to believe Tom DeLonge. I believed the pilot. You believe the pilot. Okay. Who interacted with this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying you got to look it up, dude. Okay. But aliens, like I, like I said, here. it's reached the threshold to where I will give it a legitimate chance. No, you, and I should be the threshold. If I say, Jake, check this out. I know how you feel about conspiracy theories. <laughs> Some are, this, okay, but this was a Jake's conspiracy theory, and now it's true. We don't know it to... Okay, we know that... The video is can't can't be explained. Okay, we know the video is real. We don't. But the y- you're still drawing a line to what the video. The conclusions includes. that you and and Tom DeLonge, who which I'm surprised you're believing anything because he blew up your favorite band. Uh, I still love Tom. You still love Tom? That band is nothing without Tom. No, it's it's really not. It sucks. Their new album is garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Uh, California, or their first, their self-titled, or the California uh, album was great. The new one is booty. Um. Is Anyways, Wilson Airwaves still doing anything? Yes. Oh. He just released a song about like love and unity during this time. Oh. There's a photographer that I follow. He's coming out with a new who album. Who either has already or is still in process, but he's making an Angel and Airwaves documentary. Mm-hmm. Quick, They're supposed to do a Blink one, too. Quick really? side journey on Blink-182. Um, they have a special place in my heart just because of you know growing up at the time I, I did. I love them. But... They also headlined the 99 Warp Tour, mm-hmm. which I went to with my mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I told her we were going because they were going to have skateboarding and BMX exhibi- exhibitions, mm-hmm. which they did. They and do. that was part of the reason I wanted to go and was really cool. I met Steve Caballero, who's <gasps> like an icon of skateboarding. You met him? Yeah, I have his autograph on a poster. <gasps> Whoa. I don't know who this is. Super cool. I know. 
He's like one of the OGs of skateboarding. But me and, me and CJ were skater boys. See you later, boy. I a good Avril Lavigne reference. <laughs> I was cracking up. I I still go back and I look at the lineup and I just crack up because we got there and there's two stages and like the bands that were there and that I subjected my mom to it was like <laughs> Seven Dust oh. and Pennywise, mm-hmm. Blink One Eighty Two, um, Less Than Jake, and then oh. I had totally not realized this. Less but Less Than Jake is that Scob? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eminem was there. Oh, he was going at that at that wow. time. He was going by Slim Shady. Uh huh. And my friend who went with us had said that for years. And I was like, no way. And then I was trying to find like YouTube video of Blink-182 playing at Portland for the Warped Tour. And so I searching 99 Warped Tour, it showed him with a couple of the other like hip hop artists Mm -hmm. that they had going around and like talking to people. And it was totally funny because there's like a couple of hip hop acts, but that's totally not the Warped Tour demographic. And so it totally makes sense. Like he was just walking around and he was, that was like probably a year or two before he had mm-hmm. blown up. But, um, I just, I just crack up at like, I met kill switch engage at warp tour. Nice. Warp tour is awesome. Yeah. And there was skateboarding. I remember that. You know, it's that a really cool. fun game we should play. Cause all of us know like a lot of mu- like no music. What is like, it, I don't really have a name for it. I just uh-huh. call it like the band. I just generically call it the band name game. Okay. And it's like, so if I name a band, right? Mm-hmm. So if I said Motley Crue uh-huh. and then it went to you, you have to say a band whose name starts or a singer whose name starts with C mm. like this, the first, the first letter of the second word. Okay. Or if it's a, just a one word band, right? Um, you pick like you pick the last letter of that of that word. Wouldn't it and be you, E? And you just go. If it's I a, know what you're talking about. But if if the if the band's name was just Crew, then yeah, it would be E. I've I, seen a fun ooh. one too yeah. that people are doing right now during lockdown time. Yeah, yeah. But four albums that you if you and it works better prior to digital music because right. it's what we also used to do, but. If you put that CD in, you're listening to it beginning to end with no There's skips. There's very few albums I can do that with. Very so, few. Def Leppard's Hysteria. You're so weird. <laughs> <laughs> the first one that always comes to mind for me, because for whatever reason, um, whenever we go to Hawaii, mm-hmm. I listen to The Color and the Shape by the Foo Fighters mm. beginning to end. And... Like we we fly into Maui and then we usually stay on the other side of the island. So there's like a about an usually, hour long drive. Usually, that's how how many usually. times he's been there. Uh, usually, <laughs> I've never been to Disneyland. Okay, that's but, fair. Yeah, that's fair. Let me when I go to Disneyland, I let, usually let me, yeah. let me unfurl my privilege banner yeah. and red red carpet. But <laughs> is that is that the um the album with Everlong on it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I just remember like probably the year that album came out, we went and. I remember sitting in the car with my headphones on and my mm-hmm. CD player listening. And so e- even today, mm-hmm. like if I put that album on, like in my mind, I see that yeah, road yeah, yeah. and the ocean and it just, it's ingrained and it just right. makes me feel so good. It's so, so fun how music can do that. I love it. My, the one album I always come to that I can listen to beginning to end. Um, it's kind of the first album that I was like, holy crap. Where I realized I didn't skip a song this whole time. And there are plenty that I've done before. Enemy of the State, I would listen to without skipping and blah, blah, blah. But the first one that really like hit me like, oh, I didn't skip a song. This is actually a decent album was uh, Under Oath, They're Only Chasing Safety. Um, and I was just like, man, that's such a good album. And that's one that I can put on. And actually, yesterday, my fr- The Used came out with a new album. The Used is one of my top three favorite bands. And 
I was talking to my friend Jesse about it, and I actually ranked all nine of their albums in order of what I how I love them. Um, and Dimitri and I were, and I sent the album to Dimitri, and I was like, check this album out. And uh, he was like, we should do, so we're going to do an episode where he picks 10 of his favorite songs, mm-hmm. and I listen to them, and I'm going to crap on every single one of them. And then he listens to 10 of mine, and then he gets to see what real music sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have kind of done some of that here before, and I had mentioned to you yeah. that we could, uh, I feel like... I can't do it with you two because you guys will be like hyping each other up on the garbage you listen to, and I'll just be like, "What? Who are these people?" Well, you don't like you don't like eighties butt rock. No, I don't mind that. that. No, your choice in album is fine, but it's like when you're talking about like what is it called? I don't know. What was it? One of the I, bands? I don't remember what it was the, the last time, but you listen to weird stuff, dude. What do you listen to? No, you do. Oh, I do. Yeah, I listen to weird stuff too. I'll admit that. I was thinking that's what I was thinking would be fun to do is the four no skips and then like four just total guilty pleasure. Because mm-hmm. I have this weird affinity for like I call it like Euro trash music, not like oh. techno, but like um, the sounds and mm-hmm. Alice in Video Land. Mm-hmm. Um, Never heard of that. <laughs> don't know. Which that is either. like very there. It's like Swedish, but it's like very I'll, Swedish. Well, you're weird, right? We'll play we some live in America, dude. We'll play some sometime. It's, <laughs> this it's is pretty hilarious. Yeah, we should do that. That'd be fun. I think. I think one guilty pleasure song of mine is uh, "I Want to Dance with Somebody" mm, by Whitney Cindy Houston. La- oh, it's Whitney Houston. <laughs> I was gonna say Cindy Lauper. No, it's such a good Lopper. song, dude. I love it. We'll have to do that. Okay. That's the homework. Guilty, what's a guilty pressure? Uh, we'll I'll, come I'll think, up. I'll what do you say? It. Four no skip albums. Four no skip albums. And then we can do four like guilty, guilty pleasure pleasures. albums okay. or artists. Okay. okay. Ooh, I like that. Okay. We could bring okay. some previews. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like it. We'll have to, I'm going to have to write that down and we'll do that. And we could recreate, you and I could recreate the SNL sketch that came out a couple years ago. That's totally hilarious where it's the two, the two camps related to Weezer. Oh, oh, that's they're, right. They're like having a dinner like, party. That was like a, just a year ago. Yeah. yeah, and they play like one of the very newest Weezer songs, and then there's somebody there who's the total Weezer snob, which is me. <laughs> I like the Weezer Blue album and Pinkerton, and I think those two are like nearly perfect. Right. And every album since then has been di- varying degrees of disappointment. Right. I never and, really listened to Weezer, but they opened for Blink one time when I went, and they are one of the tightest bands i've ever seen just musically harmonies vocals they were just tight and i was i was so impressed and then on one of their songs they're jumping on trampolines playing the songs yeah. that reminds me of okay the band okay go yeah uh-huh. i've seen them same stuff. yeah um what was i saw them at the meow meow what okay did, go what did you th- what really mm-hmm. that's cool what uh? What did you think of Weezer's new like their album where they did all the like covers like yeah. Africa? And yeah. Aha's yeah. Take on me. I didn't mind it. Yeah. I I like I said I really liked their early albums and <laughs> pretentious. Um, but I did like that one. I I could get on board with it and I listened to it several times. Right. Their their take on when they, when they did Take on Me by Aha. I mm-hmm. thought that was like the best. Uh, for me, that was the best song on that album. I also liked "Everybody Wants to Rule." Everybody wants to rule. Yeah, the world. that's a good one. Fears. Yeah, that, I like that, that was a good cover anyways. too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lord, okay. uh, Lord does a really good. Um, uh, Who the hell is cover, Lord? The that New Zealand singer. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. I've heard of it. Sure. She, does, she does a really, really good cover of "Everybody Wants to Rule the World." Okay, I would, I would recommend watching. You're recommending. To that. It. Yeah. Bring your recommendations next week. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> what we should do mm-hmm. is put together some recommendations and we should make a Spotify playlist that we could share Ooh, out and listeners I could like oh, it. That's a good idea. Yes. Okay. Dude, marketing genius. I know. I made a you're I made, hired. I made a quarantine <laughs> playlist. We're not paying you, but you're hired. It's so funny. I made it like right at the beginning mm-hmm. and I feel like I I went back and listened to it earlier this week when mm-hmm. I was mowing the lawn and I was like, man, I was so optimistic at the beginning of quarantine. I was like, they're like, like everybody was listening to it's the end of the world as we know it by REM. And I was putting in like different stuff like that and stuff that was like, had, I don't know, like being alone themes, but, but in like a, or like we're all pulling together. Right. And I'm like, where I'm at in this process now, like a bunch of these songs don't, don't land. I was like, I need stuff that's more like wallowing. And (laughs) so it's it's been interesting. I've said that to Jake before. It's like when it, when I'm bummed out, I don't listen to like bummed out music, but I could get that now because I'm to the point where I'm over this, over it. Mm-hmm. I'm done. It's like pissing me off now. Like this sucks. You're about to go and protest at the Capitol. Yes, I'm. I'm watching Joey Gibson videos live streaming on Instagram, and I'm like, dude, this guy gets it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I'm seriously. I'm just like. I I'm, think we're all. We're all at that So point. I haven't had a haircut, and my hair is getting, like, ridiculously long, and I'm like, you know what, dude? I'm just going to go the whole time without cutting it. And then the vice president of the company walks by me and goes, what up, Hefe? And I was like, what's going on? He goes, Hefe, the boss. And I was like, that's right. He goes, you need a haircut, dude. And I'm like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Did you tell him he can't under COVID? No, he's cutting everybody's hair. Is he? The vice president is cutting. Every, he cut the terminal manager's hair. He comes in. He's like, hey, man, how's my hair look? And I was like, where'd you get a haircut? <laughs> Please he goes, tell me he actually sounds like that. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. What's up, brother? Hey, how's my hair look, dude? And I'm like, looks pretty good. I'm like, who the heck cut it? And he's like, the VP. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he goes. I love this guy's voice. Dude. He, he, oh, hell yeah. You know what? He, he comes up to me. He's like, hey, man. You, hey, brother, you got a charger I can use? <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I got a phone charger. So he takes it. And and then my boss looks at me and goes, you're never getting that back. And I was like, yeah, I will. And so he comes back with just the cable, not the base to the wall. I was like, hey, man, where's the base? And he goes, you didn't give me the base. And I'm like, yeah, I did. And he goes, did you give me the base? I looked at him. I go, hey. He goes, yeah. I go, I'm never wrong. And then he brought me the base. <laughs> you, Anyways, are, you are never wrong. I, I, you, aliens, You Jake. are El Jefe. Aliens. <laughs> If you know that, then why do you argue? I don't know. I it's don't know either. Futile. I constantly prove you how I'm always right, and you're just like, nah. Every time. Hey, it takes me a second to get there. Okay, I, there's a, little, a year. There is a little bit of ego. A year. I have to humble myself to get to be able to um, admit that. Okay. Jeff is always right. Okay. So. Okay. Just be patient. I'll get I'm there. trying, but I have to live with these burdens <laughs> for a year of knowing the truth burdens what it is a burden it's almost been a year since the backstage block party <laughs> what? oh oh from the radio yeah. uh i didn't know that yeah oh well i'm over all of this me too it's hopefully starting to get better uh we're gonna be able to go fishing next week and back in to- washington yeah, yeah is that because the protests no i think they just realized that at this point it's stupid yeah. Well, and there's been, I, I don't know if we talked about it here or not, but data that suggests like if you're 
too restrictive. I think it was here we mm-hmm. talked about yeah, it. Yeah. you consolidate people into more places. Whereas if you relax a little more and you give people benefit of the doubt, right. and you know, instead of having requirements, you have recommendations. Mm-hmm. Hopefully most people take those to heart and you yeah. you end up with a better net result. It's it's such a tricky thing. That's one it of is. the things that we can do on a future episode too. I had shared with Jeff, but I have from when I did my internship, a mock-up of the Washington State budget from, I think it was the 05 to 07 budget, which is when I did my internship. But um, they created like a worksheet that we went through as interns and looked at what does the state budget look like? How can you make the budget balance and work? What is it going to take to make that happen? And so you start with these are the things that we've promised, which puts us in debt. So are we either not going to deliver on these promises or are we going to um, fund those things by adding or increasing taxes? And I think it's a really good exercise because it helps. Maybe sometimes we look at a decision like I can't go fishing and we see it as being so black and white. Right. Um, I was telling you before we started too, I had seen somebody share an article. So I went and back searched and uh, at one point, here in the last couple of weeks, the state Supreme court voted mm. um, and they voted not to do this, but the, the suggestion was um, creating criteria for releasing prisoners in the state um, that might be at high risk for coronavirus or that met certain criteria. And it got attention because the green river serial killer would have met some of the criteria they were suggesting. So people who oppose that paint it as, if they had made this decision, those people would all automatically be released, right. which as I understand I mean, it was not the misleading. case. It, misleading but, information. But I think what it does, it, conspiracy. it does speak to is that there are multiple factors involved and there's a lot right. of, of nuance and tough decisions. And when you see like one slice of what that conversation looks like, like you're saying, it can be very mm-hmm. misleading and um, can be very triggering. And, None of us, I don't think, have time to pay attention to all of that stuff. Right. But it's it's worthwhile. The, the, the thing that it reminds me of, too, is the last time we were up in Olympia when I drug my kids through and mm-hmm. we were, um, I took Hudson in and we were listening to the House of Representatives hear some discussion on a budget amendment. And they were talking about providing funding so that this, um, some kind of campus on the east side of the state could be renovated and retrofitted and become a police training school. Right. Um, and they got up and this person that was arguing in favor of it was saying, we have this real shortage of police officers in the state. This provides us with great resources that will help us to be able to do all of that. Uh, you know, I'm listening I'm like, oh, this all sounds really good. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and then someone got up in opposition and they said, all of that is true, but we have currently educational infrastructure in place that Mm -hmm. is sufficient for training and equipping the number of officers we need. Mm -hmm. The the barrier to us having the number that we need is not having a campus. We have campus and resources. Right. So it's just interesting where if you look at one piece of the story, it Mm -hmm. tells you one thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the big thing that, again, when I think about how you guys think with the history perspective, right? that's what I see politicians doing when they're at their best is they are looking two steps behind the decision they're making right now to say what's gotten us here. Right. And they're looking two steps ahead to say, what does this mean down the road? And most of us tend to look only one step. So we Uh, say, we say, Oh, we need more police officers. Yeah. Let's build a new campus instead of saying, 
is that the reason why we need more officers? Is that going to solve the problem? Or right. is there something else that's more effective? Right. So bring it, send it. We'll look over it. Uh, tomorrow is my last day for grad school for the year. Thank God. I can imagine. So I got all summer to read over CJ's work and read articles you send me and (laughs) I'll be ready to work. Um, Oh, one thing before we get close, I want to, I want to just say, send me your guys' songs when, as soon as you have them so that I can listen through them and you guys can listen through mine. And then that way, when you bring up the song, I know what you're talking about because I guarantee you, I don't know the crap you listen to. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We'll do it. Freaking trash bands. uh, How many songs? Uh, Four albums that you oh, you love the whole way through. Okay. And four guilty pleasure songs or artists or bands. Okay. Cool? Cool. See you next week. Sounds good. Bye. See ya. Stay safe. I'm cutting that stay safe. Thank you.